test. How oh, do you press these two buttons? Hello, and welcome to Aliens and Moonbeams, a podcast about being foreign in Japan and other places too. In our last episode, we talked about where home is, or where home could be. We talked about in-between places and some of the nuances of living abroad. My friend Adam said his home is most definitely in Japan. He said something like this. I want to be here. I belong here. And I said something like, I don't really know where home is. Which is completely true. I don't really know where I'm supposed to be. But I have some big news. I've actually just taken a huge step in an attempt to figure that out. You may have noticed I haven't uploaded an episode in a while. That's because about a month ago, I packed up my bags, left my job, sold my bicycle, and moved to Tokyo to pursue my dreams. Even though I've been planning this for the better part of six months, the stakes are still pretty high, and they only seem to get higher. Here's a list of the challenges of my current situation. Number one, I'm currently jobless, scavenging freelance opportunities on Craigslist and Facebook and crashing lunch mixers in an attempt to meet people here in Tokyo. Number two, moving from Sendai to Tokyo was expensive. I still have yet to pay a rather large sum in residence taxes, which was unexpected and not in the original budget. Number three, I have a limited time to find a job so that I can sponsor my current visa. Number four, I'm on a budget. And if I'm unable to find a way to support myself soon, my funds will eventually become depleted. But I don't plan on giving up or giving in anytime soon. So what does this mean for the podcast? It means I'll be documenting life here in Tokyo and using this podcast as a way to update you all on what it's like to follow your dreams abroad. It also means I'll continue interviewing people that I meet about their own lives, their own stories, why they're here, and what they've been up to. Aliens and Moonbeams is dedicated to sharing what it's like to be foreign in Japan and other places too. So today's episode is about this big step I took, how I came to this decision, and how I said goodbye to a place that's become a lot like home. Let's call this episode, Sayonara Sendai. Let's rewind a bit. Here's a recording of myself about seven months ago, eight months ago, I think. This is me talking into my phone after renewing my visa at the immigration office in Sendai. At the time, I had been considering going home to America. My visa was going to expire and I needed to extend it so that I could at least finish out my contract with my then current company. I hadn't thought about Tokyo yet, and yes, in this recording, I was even wondering if I should stay in Sendai. It's almost weird listening to it now. It was such a different time. I just left the immigration office and it took like less than five minutes to get my new visa that will last for a year to stay in Japan. And as I was leaving, I felt sad. <laughs> I guess 
I wanted to record this. I don't know if I'll use it or not, but because it seems kind of personal or I don't know. <laughs> this place is so familiar. Like I know I used to run down here near the immigration office back my first year here. So when I walked out, you know, I spend so much time thinking about leaving, you know, even though I only got this immigration card to, you know, try to finish my year, just finish out the next six months of my job. It made me sad thinking that I probably won't go back there to renew it for another year. There are times where I feel like I'm not home at all. I can predict my feelings that if I do start over somewhere else that I'm going to feel out of place and I'm going to wonder about Sendai all the time. I don't know where I'm supposed to be. I guess maybe it's normal. I guess everyone doesn't really know where to be. A few months after I made this recording, I made a decision. Since graduating from college, I haven't known how to make my goals or my dreams into a reality. In part, perhaps that's one of the reasons that landed me in Japan. At undergrad, I hadn't made plans for a master's or something concrete after graduation that would bring me closer to my goals. I had no idea what I was supposed to be doing. I remember before I accepted the job in Sendai, I talked to one of my professors. I asked her if she thought it was weird for me to go to Japan for a year. I think my question formed itself like, am I going to fail at life if I go to Japan? <laughs> I remember her smiling, and then she said, no, not at all. Your dream is to be a filmmaker, to tell stories. Part of telling stories is experiencing them, right? I remember smiling back and nodding, because that's something I totally, completely, and wholeheartedly agree with. I've never been big on making plans anyway. My dream for a while now has been to make films, telling stories really, whether through movies, books, articles, podcasts, music, illustration, all that stuff. But at the moment, primarily films and podcasts. Even though I was able to do some of these things while teaching English in Japan, I wasn't able to go at it full time. Last year when I began Aliens and Moonbeams, I noticed that I was drained of energy because essentially I was performing two full-time jobs. There was one that was paying me, and there was one that wasn't. I had to choose. So a decision was made. I chose the job that wasn't paying me, and decided that I would move to Tokyo and try and see if I could find a way to get paid for doing what I loved. However, this meant saying goodbye to Sendai, my home of the last three and a half years. The month before I left, I was sifting through some old photos on my computer. There were a lot. There were enough photographs and enough illustrations that I felt compelled to tell a story with them. I needed some kind of closure, so before leaving Sendai, I threw a party. It was one part art exhibition, one part birthday party, and one part going away celebration. I got together with a friend who was super good at planning events, and we made it happen. I called it Santengo. This means 3.5 in Japanese, which is the amount of time I'd spent in Sendai. On the day of Santengo at Bird Pizza Cafe, all my prints were up on the walls, well, almost all of them. I had a thought. 
what if no one comes <laughs> okay so they came and it was really awesome i was able to sell enough prints to make a small donation to the org i was raising money for um, more about them actually at the end of this episode and you can find some of their information on um aliens and moonbeams facebook page so at the exhibition i set up my grandfather's old tape recorder i placed a sticky note next to it that said tell me about a sendai memory i'm going to play that tape for you now in most of its entirety here is what everyone said that night testing testing one two you just pressed uh, record and um, maybe, maybe I'll try again later. Oh no, how do I stop it? Oh, I got it. I'm back. I remembered. When I first moved up to Sendai from Nagoya, I didn't really have any money and well, basically every month I would get my salary and I would pay my rent and my bills and then I would basically barely have enough to last uh, or just to buy food. And one day somebody came knocking on my door and they were doing surveys. And um, it seemed like a good idea at the time and they, they paid in these, these vouchers that you could, you could only use at certain stores. And so I did it and um, it lasted way too long and it was awful and it sucked and I hate surveys and I still hate surveys. And now I work at a company where we send out a bunch of surveys 
but um, I ate food every month and I survived. And now things are doing a lot better. Um, and whenever those people knock on my door, I tell them to go away. So it's, uh, I guess it's a good memory. Okay, first of all, Tyler is amazing because he knows how to use an old-fashioned tape recorder. Next thing, I've lived in Sendai for two years and eight months now, and um, I'm supposed to talk about one of my favorite memories in Sendai, and I've got a lot of them. Um, but I think that the one that comes to mind is the first time that I participated in the Aoba Matsuri, which is the Sparrow Dance Festival um, that is held every May in Sendai. I'd seen it the year before and it had been so beautiful. And there's something just really magical about watching all these people dressed so colorfully, dancing down the middle of like the widest boulevard of the street. And everyone's playing the same song and it's really just beautiful. And um, I feel like it just represents all the weirdness of living in Japan, but also the community that I found by finding my dance group. Um, and uh, congratulations, Jess. I'm so proud of you. This event has been amazing. I've had a great time. And I'm so proud of you. And I can't wait to see what you get up to in Tokyo because it's going to be amazing. Bye. Hello, this is Tyler. Um, I slept in the Sendai station one time when I didn't have anywhere to sleep. And it was an enlightening experience. That's all I have to say. Love you. Marika, です。仙台にはあ、幼稚園の時から高校の時までずっと住んでます。あ、高校大学卒業してからまた仙台に戻ってきたので、もう20年以上仙台に住んでます。え、仙台の、え、思い出はジェスちゃんと一緒に交流コ
So, uh, once upon a time, I remember bumping into you uh, at Sendai Station, and we just and we just waved at each other and went on our ways. But that was that was still back when the station was under construction, right? And so you know how how huge and how pretty it is right now. So I think that is that is a really nice like image of what this what Sendai has been going through and what we have been part of. So um, I would I would hope that in the future as well you 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 get to you get to experience environments that are so so ever changing and so ever inspiring because from what I can tell you seem to be flourishing in those kinds of environments. So best of luck. And I have lived in Sendai for one and a half years and my best memory of Sendai is the very first time I dated a Japanese guy and he numpered me on the train and we went on some dates and then I told him that I wanted to learn how to make nabe. It was my first winter in Japan and he said come to my house and I will teach you how to make nabe. But we all know what that means when you get invited to somebody's house, it's just to have sex. So we did make nabe and we did have sex and now in our group of friends, nabe has become the euphemism for sex. So whenever we talk about it, it's nabe. Hi, so I've lived in Sendai for about a year and a half now and I don't have any specific memories of Sendai but but I have an overall feeling that I think I will keep with me forever about Sendai of the small city feel and I always bump into Jess walking down Cliss Road we're always <laughs> we're always mm, on our way doing something else but Jess always made the time to stop and talk, and that's one of my memories from Sendai. So, my name is Serene. Um, I've been living in Sendai for maybe eight months now. Um, I don't know if this is my best memory, but it's one of my most amusing ones. I went clubbing on Halloween uh, Eve at the trashiest club in Sendai, also known as Isn't It? Bar Isn't It? Uh, dressed up as a group costume, slutty Halloween um, Harry Potter, I was uh, Slytherin. So I ended up uh, making out with probably the hottest guy that I ever made out with in my life on the dance floor. And nothing happened after that, but I got his line. Recently, I looked back at his line page and to my surprise, I see a bunch of photos of an infant baby. After some Google translating, I figured out that it was his newborn daughter. So, yeah, I, I made out with a married guy who had a baby on the way. And I had a good laugh about it, and I deleted him. The end. What a pop vagina. Sorry. Guess get that. Are you recording? Of course. Oh. Uh, my name's Alex. My name's Cesar. 
How long have we been in Sendai? Well, we first we're, we're known as the uh, the duo of Sendai, probably, right? I don't think there's ever been a duo so dynamic in Sendai. At least the, not 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 that I know of. Nah, I mean, we done a lot of things together, I'd say. When did we came in? Two, uh, 2013. Yeah. So 2013 is when we came here, huh? Yeah. It's 2017 August? No, now. July, now 2017. Three years before the Olympics. That's right. Three and a half years. So that's almost four years. Almost four years. It's it's almost it's the end of March, and it'll be April soon, and then come August 1st, it'll pretty much be... Four years. Four years in Sendai. Man, yeah. time flies, right? I can't believe it. Well, we've come a long way because now, well, I used to ride my bike. I don't anymore. You ride your bike. But there was a time when neither of us had bikes. We only had feet. And we rode the train a lot in the morning. <laughs> I also don't think we realized that we could walk distances. We didn't know how far we lived, pretty yeah. much. And we knew we were far. We thought we were far, so we never went home until we got the first train. Yeah, it must have been one of the first weeks we came here. We slept in, what park is that, where they have the Oktoberfest? Uh, Kishinokon. Is it? Yeah. Didn't, it didn't seem at the time, but that was Kishinokon. Right there in the back by the woods. Pretty drunk, too. By the Thai restaurant. Yeah. And Bran and Benisu were there, too. Yeah. But it was cold, so it must have been, like, November. Oh, maybe it was, yeah, October or November. That was, a, that was a good one. That was one of our first experiences in Sendai. Yeah, it was one of the first nights, maybe, I felt like we, like, went out. Stayed out late. Yeah. I don't know what we did before that, though. Went drinking. I don't know. where where, we drinking. Where would we have gone? I don't know. But then, somebody came by and told us that we couldn't stay there, right? Or no? Was that my imagination? Or I think there were just, like, people that kept coming through, and I kept <laughs> expecting to be, like, approached and be like, why are you... <laughs> Weird foreigners sleeping in the grass. Do we like huddle in a bush to keep warm? I mean, yeah, it's, cold. it's pretty cold. It's fucking cold right now. <laughs> That's all good. <laughs> I think that basically sums up our story. <laughs> or how our stories came to be, or are for the most part, I guess. I always feel like I'm just a step away from passing out in the park. So really, I don't think I've come that far. <laughs> but now it just doesn't seem so far to walk back to Nagamachi from downtown. Especially when you're trying to sleep in a park. Mm -hmm. It's just much better if you walk back out. Yeah. You just came out right now. You have your phone on you. You're waving at us. <laughs> All right, Jess, we're going to wrap up. Thanks for giving us this recorder. This was fun. I love your 1978 grandpa recorder. <laughs> That's how things worked back then. <laughs> you have a good time in Tokyo. Take care. Be easy. Keep rocking. You never know. You might see us there. Oh, we'll, be, we'll be around. Hey everyone, this is Jess, and I just got home. Santango is just finished, and I'm about to listen to this entire tape, and I'm so excited and a little bit scared at what I'm going to hear. But I love you guys. Thank you for an awesome night. Here we go. The day after Santango, I set up camp on the floor of my apartment. I didn't originally plan to spend the day sleeping and watching Netflix, but that is definitely what happened. 
Another day might have passed in a similar fashion. It's unclear. After I woke from my stupor, it took four days to pack, clean, and send things away, either to my home in the States or to my new address in Tokyo. With the help of some friends, I was able to get it all done. We went to Second Street, a secondhand store, and turned in at least a fourth of my clothes in exchange for a whopping 100 yen, which is about a dollar. We called the city trash so we could notify them that I'd be leaving my mattress outside to be collected. And then I went on a solo journey of cleaning my apartment. I scrubbed the floors, dusted its neglected corners, and when it came to shipping some of my stuff home, I had to use my skateboard to wheel all the boxes all the way to the post office. That was an interesting experience. I was nervous because I'd been told that I should expect to pay a hefty sum when the landlord came, depending on the state of my apartment. My coworker told me to keep at least 10 mon en on me just in case. That's about 1,000 US dollars. Eek. So, naturally, I recorded most of the experience in my camera. To find out what happened there, you can watch 10 Steps to Move to Tokyo, which is a new video I posted on Aliens and Moonbeam's YouTube channel. I didn't really get a chance to properly say goodbye to Sendai. I had imagined that at least one of those four days would go a little differently that I would have taken one last walk past my first apartment in Kakyoin, said goodbye to the nice people at the 7-Eleven I used to live above, say goodbye to the nice lady at the Seiyu that always encourages me to use my excess change. I imagined walking through the city one last time, seeing the giant reddish-orange letters that say Sendai Station, and remembering that walking out into that area used to give me chills the good kind where you feel inspired and ready for something new. But instead, I spent the last four days moving, and not really thinking about Sendai. Actually, I was thinking of somewhere else entirely. I was fueled by some kind of Tokyo glow. For a girl who doesn't really know where home is, that felt pretty cool. On the very last day before I boarded my train, I was able to take one last look at Sendai. I opened up my video camera and pressed record, taking in that whole area you first see when you first arrive at the station. I thought of my 22-year-old self arriving here for the first time in a suit and two giant suitcases that were mostly empty. I closed the camera and had to adjust the four backpacks on my shoulders. Three pairs of worn-in shoes dangled at my side. My blue skateboard dug into my hips where it sat wedged in between a shoulder bag and my body. I grabbed hold of what was left of the broken handle of my suitcase and walked into the station, camera in hand. I went up the escalator, boarded a train, and I moved to Tokyo. Thank you for listening to this episode of Aliens and Moonbeams. The song you're hearing now, On My Own, was made especially for the podcast by my dear friend Mike, also known as Young Caesar. You can catch more of his stuff on SoundCloud. 
He's also got a pretty cool Instagram that documents his life in Japan. All of his links and all of his info can be found in the show notes on the Aliens and Moonbeams website. Definitely check him out. Now, you might be wondering what happens next. Yeah, me too. (laughs) For more about my transition to Tokyo, stay tuned for the next episode. You can subscribe to Aliens and Moonbeams on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and now even YouTube. That's right, Aliens and Moonbeams officially has a YouTube channel. Subscribe there for visual adventures and audio ones too. There's already one video up called 10 Steps to Move to Tokyo. Please like or comment and definitely share with your friends. And of course, don't forget to support the podcast by rating and reviewing us on iTunes. For even more content, stay tuned for an article I wrote on Savvy Tokyo titled What It Feels Like to Drop Everything and Move to Tokyo. I bet you can guess what that's about. It's not out yet, but it should be coming out soon-ish, I think. (laughs) When I was organizing Santengo, I reached out to a college friend who works for STAND, a nonprofit organization. This is where half of the proceeds from Santengo went to. To learn more about STAN, take a look at their website, standnow.org. To quote their website, they are a student-led movement to end mass atrocities. The project that I specifically donated to is called Rise for Rohingya, which aims to stop the genocide of Muslim minorities in Burma. To learn more about this cause, where your donation will be going, and how it will be put to good use, go to crowdrise.com slash rise for Rohingya. Rohingya is spelled R-O-H-I-N-G-Y-A. There are links to donate on the Aliens and Moonbeams website and on our Facebook page as well. I'm looking at their website right now, and it appears that they have raised 54% of their fundraising goal. To make it 100%, you can share this cause with your friends, and of course, you can also help by making a donation of a minimum of 10 US dollars. Again, you can find all of these links on the Aliens and Moonbeams website or on Stan's website, stannow.org and on crowdrise.com slash rise for Rohingya. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. And until next time, remember, being an alien can be a human thing too. Flex. Flex.